Welcome back to Alliance's Heroes, where heroes in business align. To be part of our super community and find out more about Alliances, visit www.alliances.com. Now, back to our super host, David Kogan, founder of Alliances. And it's a super day every day that you're listening to me because it's about us unlocking the secrets of heroes. Those are the ones that are making a huge impact in the community and doing so much good. And we just had on the co-founder and CEO of And One. And by the way, thank you for the feedback we continue to have from having the co-founder of Priceline on and also the U.S. Administrator of General Services with the U.S. government. That's right. Make sure you go to alliances.com, E-L-I-A-N-C-E-S.com, the only place where entrepreneurs align. Well, you got to have a lot of hope. And it can be shocking to turn on the news and see how the poor and middle class live paycheck to paycheck with no hope for change. Well, we've got someone who does give hope. We have with us the founder of Operation Hope, John Hope Bryant, who could be reached at operationhope.org. John, tell us what the idea was and how you came up with to create Operation Hope, and then we're going to get into what you do for so many people. Oh, thank you, David, for having me. Honored to be on your show. Um, rainbows only follow storms. You cannot have a rainbow without a storm first. So sometimes uh, great things come out of tragedy and challenges and problems. Operation Hope was founded after the Rodney King riots in Los Angeles in 1992. So a really tragic incident. Uh, 50-plus people lost their lives, $3 billion of property damage, uh, uh, the worst riot in, in U.S. history. Um, and so th- we were trying to get people out of a sense of, of, of urgent, the mindset of urgent, to a mindset of, of, of opportunity. Um, I decided that giving people a fish wasn't enough. I wanted to give people fishing poles. And we want to do it at scale. Uh, today, we are the largest nonprofit financial inclusion organization in America. Uh, uh, four million clients. We just hit that mark, four million client mark. Um, more than $3 billion invested in these neighborhoods through our partners. We're now the Starbucks of financial inclusion, um, The uh, really the private banker to the working poor, the struggling class, the struggling middle class. Uh, those folks with too much month at the end of their money, uh, which includes the later, the, uh, the federal workers recently who uh, had to endure almost 30 days of no paycheck. And it just underscores that we're not talking about the poor here. We're talking about your listeners uh, who are 70% of Americans plus are living from paycheck to paycheck. They've got too much month at the end of their money. And that stress affects their family affects their marriages, affects their attitude at work, at play, how they raise their children, uh, decisions they make, uh, the investments that they make, the choices. It affects their health. Um, it's all connected. But we, it, it is shocking to me that I've got a private banker and I don't need one. I, I, I do my banking on my mobile phone. Mm-hmm. But the person who needs a private banker, the average American, doesn't have anybody to go to. You think about that. It's really deep. We, the largest economy on the planet, and, and this economy is 70-plus percent driven by consumer spending. You right. and me. Right. Paying for car notes and, you know, whatever. Yep. Going to, you know, going to grocery stores, whatever. 
and no one, no guidance, no guidance, no help, no one to call to, no one to call, you know, no one who's not trying to sell you something already. Um, it's, it's really, it's really quite sad. Uh, but on the other hand, it's inspiring that somehow we have survived and thrived as a nation that's without right. it to this date. That's right. And that's why we've got you. I mean, your organization in the past 25 years has empowered millions of adults and youth with financial dignity. I mean, you've directed over, this is astounding, over $3 billion in economic activity into the disenfranchised communities. What's, though, the secret may, maybe to creating financial dignity? How do you do it, especially when you're maybe so underwater and it just becomes spiraling and over and over and over? How do you get out of that? It's a great question. I think the media will try to answer it over the last hundred years. And typically, they either throw money at the problem or they throw prayers. <laughs> um, and, it's, and, and, you know, so you see somebody preaching for you and trying to motivate you. But that's not enough. Or you got somebody just writing a check, and and if, and if poverty was logical, poor people wouldn't be poor. So that's probably not the answer all by itself, although money helps. Uh, what I've found is that folks just don't have the memo. Folks just, This is my last book, the memo. Folks just never got the memo. There was a, Abraham Lincoln, after the Civil War, um, created a Freedmen's Bank on March 3rd, 1865, uh, after the Civil War, to teach free slaves about money. And uh, over 72,000 former slaves put $52 million of, of their hard-earned money in the, from the Union Army salaries uh, into that bank. That would be $100 billion today, making it one of the top 25 banks in America. Unfortunately, Lincoln, Lincoln was killed the next month. Mm. The bank fell into disrepair and was, a, was sort of abused by those who are profiteers in Washington. Um, but the thing that's really shocking to me, David, it wasn't like the, what the what the former slaves did bankrupted the bank. They did everything right. In fact, the fact they trusted the bank after slavery, government endorsed you know servitude is really an inspiring story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But they wanted a hand up, not a handout. And 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 then you fast forward to uh, the 1960s, and here you go again, the civil rights movement, and you had not a banker or a businessman or an entrepreneur trying to teach people how to fish. You had a preacher, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And by the way, he was talking to poor whites, too, because there are more poor whites then and now than poor anybody else in this country, a little-known fact. So Dr. King was pivoting toward economics. Lincoln had pivoted toward economics. Both of them assassinated in April of the, of the year that they pivoted before they delivered the memo. So what gives me hope, actually, is not like working class, middle class, struggling middle class, working poor, the majority of this country driving economic activity in this, in this nation, which is driving economic prosperity for the world. It's not like they got the memo and screwed it up. They just never got the memo. So if I can deliver through books, speeches, inspirations, radio interviews like yours, um, you know, using the power of social media, over a million, media, million media, social media followers and about 70 million views of my videos on various platforms, Plus the work we're doing on the ground with, as you said, millions of people whose lives have actually been impacted because we're moving the credit score. That's right. 120 points. Mm. Uh, we're moving the credit score between 30 and 120 points. And nothing changes your life today more than God or love than moving your credit score 120 points. I mean, it transforms your life. Well, you have been. And then we sort of anchored it all in what I call big data. So at the end of the day, 
it starts with inspiration, but we drag it down to results and sort of real tangible stuff, like becoming a homeowner, an entrepreneur, a small business owner, moving your credit score, and then dragging it down to the data. And then uh, the, we found that certain data, you, you hit a certain tipping point, and the community just changes. I got to ask you, you know, too, is is you, you, because you know so much about this, and we want to start right really with the youth, as young as we could get. What's the best way, though, for children to make a difference in developing their own financial literacy and sharing that with the world? Eliminate stand on every block. Oh. When I was when I was coming up. Uh, I had a passbook account, a passbook savings account. David, you might be old enough to uh, understand what I'm saying, but it was a physical. You could write in it. It was, and I and I had five dollars or ten dollars that went into it. But that was my money, and it was tangible to me. It was my account. I was responsible. And then I had a little home economics class I went to, and I, and and it was my first race relation experience, by the way, because I lived in Compton, and here was a white man teaching me about money. It was a banker came in. I, I remember asking this banker, "Sir, what do you do for a living?" And how did you get rich legally? And I was completely serious. He said, young man, I'm a banker and I finance entrepreneurs. I said, I don't know what an entrepreneur is, mm-hmm. but if you're financing them, I want to be one. And I went and opened a dictionary for the word entrepreneur. And, and, and it's sad to tell you, but in Compton, California, I had never heard that phrase. I never heard that phrase entrepreneur, and I never heard the word philanthropist before. But I wanted to become an entrepreneur to become a philanthropist. And both those words I discovered after this home economics class. Well, I the next month, the next sorry, the next year I opened up. So I was ten. That was also I was nine. But by the next year I opened up a candy house, a neighborhood candy house. I had a lemonade stand before that. I had a neighborhood candy house, and I put the liquor store out of the candy business in six months. In six months, I made three hundred dollars a week off a forty dollar investment loaned to me by my mother because she wouldn't give it to me. She said, "Pay it back if life is tough." And I made three hundred dollars a week. And I literally, David put the liquor store out of the candy business. Imagine what that did to my self-esteem. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, I got to tell you, you give hope to so many from lemonade stand to candy stand and so much more. And now founder of Operation Hope. And heck, you were advisor to the last three sitting U.S. presidents. You make an impact. And thank you to Conscious Capitalism for nominating you to be on the Hero Show you're a hero, John Hope Bryant. You can reach him at Operation Hope, operationhope.org. This is David Kogan with Eliances. Alliances.